In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Cleanse my heart and my lips, Almighty God, that I may proclaim your gospel worthily. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. John said to Jesus, Master, we saw a man who is not one of us casting out devils in your name. And because he was not one of us, we tried to stop him. But Jesus said, You must not stop him. No one who works a miracle in my name is likely to speak evil of me. Anyone who is not against us is for us. If anyone gives you a cup of water to drink just because you belong to Christ, then I tell you solemnly, he will most certainly not lose his reward. But anyone who is an obstacle to bring down one of these little ones who have faith would be better thrown into the sea with a great millstone round his neck. And if your hand should cause you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life crippled than to have two hands and go to hell, into the fire that cannot be put out. And if your foot should cause you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life lame than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye should cause you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where there will be worm where the worm does not die nor the fire go out. The Gospel of the Lord. Who was this itinerant exorcist in today's passage? We have little information about him, apart from what is said about him in John's complaint. This man is not one of us, which means he is not part of the Lord's band of disciples, or at least a part of his inner circle, the Twelve. But John at least admits that this man is driving out demons in the Lord's name. Apparently, John's criterion for legitimate ministry is acting under the disciples' authority. They are the gatekeepers instead of the Lord. He fails to recognize that their authority and power and that of this perceived rival comes from the Lord, who is the source and the foundation of the authority and power. His protest echoes the objection of Joshua in the first reading, who grumbled to Moses that Eldad and Medad were not part of the group to whom Moses imparted his spirit, yet they too received the gift of prophecy. Although the disciples found fault with this man casting out demons in the Lord's name because he wasn't a part of the elite group, our Lord saw nothing wrong with his actions. In fact, our Lord reprimands them and orders them to not stop this man in his ministry. You must not stop him. No one who works a miracle in my name is likely to speak evil of me. He is directing his disciples to take an expansive rather than a restrictive approach towards others who are acting in his name. And the reason is because anyone who is not against us is for us. The criterion for acceptance of the ministry of this person is that it is not in opposition to the Lord's ministry and that of his disciples. But the converse is also true. Whoever is not with me is against me. 
In the end, there is no neutral ground in relation to Christ. Sooner or later, everyone, whether consciously or unconsciously, chooses either to be on his side or to oppose him. Some people, including many Catholics, take our Lord's word as justification for this thing called religious indifferentism. Now, what's religious indifferentism? Religious indifferentism is the heretical belief that all religions have equal value and are equal paths to salvation. This popular notion is so ingrained in our psyche that anyone who makes counterclaims concerning the uniqueness of the Catholic faith or that Jesus is the sole and universal savior of mankind would be deemed heretical by modern standards. In fact, this pernicious belief is quite likely the most widespread heresy of our present age. Though many would never admit that they are proponents of a heresy, we see it hidden in so many common sayings. You have your beliefs and I have mine. Or, it doesn't matter which religion you belong to, it's all the same, as long as we do good. So was our Lord's words to his disciples in support of this way of thinking? Now, the key phrase to understand the context of our Lord's words is in my name or in Jesus' name. This man was not doing it by his own authority. He was not claiming that his ability to exercise and heal came from his own resources or from some other deity. His actions pointed back to the Lord. If demons are cast out and people are healed, it is the Lord Jesus' doing, not his. Our Lord's words are therefore not meant to give a stamp of approval to religious indifferentism. In fact, it is the very antithesis of religious indifferentism. Why? It is saying that if anyone is saved, he or she is saved by Jesus and Jesus alone. No one else can take credit for it. To do something in the Lord's name is to acknowledge the bankruptcy of our own resources and the adequacy of his grace. Our Lord had just taught his followers that the criteria needed to become his disciple calls for self-renunciation and sacrifice. They had to reject worldly glory, resist the temptation of making a name for themselves, because ultimately what a disciple does, he does in the name of the Lord. The fact that they felt envious and threatened by this perceived rival to their privileged authority reveals their true motives. They were selfishly possessive of God's grace. And rather than rejoicing that others had a share in it, they felt jealous and saw them as rivals. The disciples were simply doing good works for self-glory. They were doing it to make a name for themselves. Rather than acting in our Lord's name, they were acting in their own. Our Lord continues teaching them by saying, If anyone gives you a cup of water to drink just because you belong to Christ, then I tell you solemnly, he will most certainly not lose his reward. In a way, this serves as a parallel to last week's last verse, which spoke of hospitality shown to a child is equivalent to hospitality shown to Christ and the one who sent Christ. In both sayings, what is highlighted is the generosity of God towards all 
and the great value of simple, humble acts of service and hospitality, regardless of whether such acts are done by persons inside or outside the church. Note once again that what is being promoted is not religious indifferentism, but that all acts of kindness towards the disciple because of his association with Christ will be rewarded. The last part of today's passage provides a balanced perspective to our Christian vision of discipleship. If the first part of today's passage accentuated the need for broad-mindedness and inclusiveness regarding the good deeds of others, this last part reminds us that sin should not be on that list where we should tolerate. Goodness and kindness by others can and should always be celebrated, but sin is never to be encouraged. If God can reward someone for his or her good deeds, he will not hesitate to punish someone for their evil deeds. So our Lord uses a series of hyperbolic analogies from drowning to bodily mutilation to emphasize the gravity of sin. These examples may appear barbaric by modern standards, but they are used precisely to illustrate God's complete abhorrence of sin, whether it be directed to another or to oneself. The opening and concluding section of today's passage reveals to us the nature of God. He is both merciful and just. One does not exclude the other. There is no contradiction. God welcomes and rewards acts of goodness whether he find, wherever he finds it, and not just among those who claim to know him or act in his name. As goodness can never be a companion to evil, so too God will not tolerate evil and sin within us. These have deep implications in our own spiritual lives. We too must welcome and celebrate the goodness done by others. If in the end, it is done for the sake of God, who will see to their reward. But we must be constantly on guard against the scandal of evil and sin and be prepared to take all necessary steps to remove them through sincere repentance or be prepared to be thrown into hell where their worm does not die nor their fire go out. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.